Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole bennett Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescents, ours and theirs. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Cara. You know, our listeners cannot appreciate what's happening right now. We are sitting right next to each other at Cara's desk in LA. Sharing a microphone. It's kind of dorky and also kind of adorable. I think there's about a 50% chance this recording is going to sound bonkers because we're side by side, but we're just going to go with it. We're going to go with it. We're going to throw spaghetti against the wall and see what happens. How ironic that we have full confidence when we're 3,000 miles away, how it's going to all work (laughs) out. And when we're sitting next to each other, we're like, hmm, hmm, how's that going to go? And here's how the conversation goes. Cara says, are you sure you don't want to test it and play it back? And I say, no, it's fine. Let's just do it. It's all you need to know about Cara and (laughs) Vanessa. (laughs) I'm going to go put on the helmet now. (laughs) Okay. And your elbow pad. (laughs) So we are going to talk about a listener question that we got. We've actually gotten a few questions around this same general theme, but this question was pretty direct. Yeah. So the question came from a parent who said that her daughter is just refusing to wear a bra that from the parent's perspective, she needs to wear a bra, but she has sensory issues and she finds the bra uncomfortable. 
but, and, but we've gotten that question from people who don't have sensory issues. Right. So there, it's a multi-layered response to a multi-layered question. And we actually cover it in the book. We have a section in the book about boobs, breasts, and we have some scenarios about if you have a kid who quote unquote needs to wear a bra and doesn't want to, or a kid who wants to wear a bra, but doesn't quote unquote need to. So I think we should take it one step at a time. And I think we should start with the cultural norms that have changed dramatically around bra wearing probably in the last five years. Oh, I thought you were going to say 40, 40 years, but full disclosure moment. Yes. We do. Are you wearing a bra? (laughs) We do. I'm wearing a bra I made. We do have a company that makes bras. Right. And I think it's important to say that we are approaching this question, frankly, in the same way that we approach making bras, which is with no bias, right? If you had told me 15 years ago that there would be bras out in the world that I had a hand in, I would laugh out loud, but there's sort of a need for it. But there's Also, a very large group of people who don't wear bras, don't want to wear bras, will never wear bras, and that is fine. Right. So So full disclosure. A lot of young people, what we would call millennials and Gen Z, don't wear bras. And they wear all different kinds of tops with all different kinds of straps and fabric, and they don't wear bras. And for those who were adults in the 1970s, they might say, well, they're just mimicking what we did then. Yes, maybe. That's why I thought 40 years. Oh, yeah. No, but I think- Which is more like 55 years, but okay, who's counting? I know, we can't do math anymore um, (laughs) because we're old. But the point is that people may not know that young adults and teenagers, actually, it's a style not to wear a bra. I do think, Vanessa, that we can hold two things to be true at once. And that is on the one hand, we have a company that makes bras. And on the other, I really do think we can have an unbiased response to this listener's question and to several listener questions about should you wear a bra? And the answer from two people who make bras is not necessarily. Right. So when we think about whether a kid, quote unquote, needs to wear a bra, it's important to think about where our reaction is coming from. So is our desire for them to wear a bra because we feel uncomfortable seeing their breasts not in a bra? And I remember when my daughter was younger and had breast buds and I thought it was time for her to wear a bra. Here I was teaching all these puberty workshops and she was like, yeah, I don't want to. And I had to let go of what I deemed to be sort of the time and what was appropriate and the moment and the time that I did lay down the rules with her and say, this is actually non-negotiable is when she had to wear white soccer jerseys and they were very sheer and you could essentially see her nipples through her jersey. And that made me feel unsafe for her. And I said, okay. Any other time, you don't have to wear one, but when you wear your white soccer jersey, you have to wear something underneath it. It's funny. I remember when my daughter first needed to wear a bra and my reaction was totally the opposite. Everything that was available was either uncomfortable, unattractive, inappropriate in some way, like push up, underwire, for, for no boobs. 
And so I actually, I went the other way and just put my head in the sand and pretended she didn't need to wear a bra Mm. until another mom called me, asked me what bra she was wearing. And when I said, oh, there are no good bras out there, she said, oh no, your daughter needs to wear a bra, which is very interesting because that's a very judgmental statement. And I could have taken it one way, but I took it in the vein of appreciation. Like, hmm, I'm seeing through your daughter's, again, sheer white, it was a uniform shirt, but same, same. I feel like I'm seeing more than feels appropriate. You should put something on your daughter that blocks my visual cueing that she is developing. I appreciated that. And then I made one. And then <laughs> and then you were like, well, I hate them all, so let me they, make one. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I think the first thing to say to ourselves is not everyone's going to wear a bra and they don't all have to wear a bra. And that's fine. The and second, many cultures don't wear bras. Many cultures don't wear bras. And that's fine. Um, and do you want to know a fun science fact? There are a lot of people who are trying to study, mm. not a lot of people, but there are a handful of people who are looking at, are breasts different? Do they develop mm-hmm. differently? And do they evolve differently over time based upon bra wearing? And there's a camp of people who believe if you wear a bra, that holds the breasts up and then they sag less over time. But the data that I've seen is actually kind of the opposite, Hmm. which is if you don't wear a bra, you actually have less sagging over time. Now, I've always found that counterintuitive and the studies are all, they're not great scientific studies. They're all commissioned by either bra companies or companies that have agendas. So if anyone who's listening has data, about bra wearing that is totally unbiased. We would love to see that data and we would love to read about it because it is a curiosity for a lot of people. Do breasts sag or feel heavier or weigh down more if you don't support them? Or do they do that when you do support them and you don't sort of help the musculature along? Do you or someone you love have smelly feet? Well, this is for you. We made magical socks. We did. The magic is zinc. With zinc around, bacteria cannot grow. And if bacteria cannot grow, well, then there are no bacteria to eat the sweat. And if there's no bacteria to eat the sweat, then there's no off-gassing. And if there's no off-gassing, then there's no smell. That's how Oom Socks work. Check out the link in our show notes or go to myoomlaw.com. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, 
Go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at bioptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. So that leads me to the next topic, which is athletics Mm. and bras. Having worked around the issues of girls in sports for many years, over and over, one of the reasons we heard from girls about why they didn't want to participate in PE class or they stopped playing sports was actually their discomfort in participating with their breasts. So sometimes it was very sensitive breast buds that didn't feel comfortable 
They were worried about them getting hit or knocked or elbowed or didn't feel comfortable in the clothing they were wearing. The jersey rubs against really tender skin. The leotard, not liking how it looked in a swimsuit, you know, things like that. So that's one consideration. The second consideration is as breasts get larger, it can affect performance Mm -hmm. and comfort, you know, on the field, in the pool, whatever. And so both the breasts themselves, like for instance, very large breasted people can sometimes describe having some difficulty with activities that use upper body motion, like a swing, right? Right. And then also the back pain that some people feel with large breasts can impact your comfort during play or activity. And I played soccer all my life. And by high school and college, women with very large breasts were wearing at least two sports bras, double sports bras in order to contain their breasts. And they were phenomenal athletes Mm -hmm. and phenomenal soccer players, but they had to manage their Mm -hmm. breasts in the context of the sport. So if you have a kid who is starting to shy away from certain activities and is not wearing a bra, or maybe is maybe not wearing the right bra for that activity, that's a conversation to have and say, hey, I noticed or I got an email from your teacher that you haven't been participating in PE. I'm wondering like something getting in the way for that. Or like, I heard you sat out during the swim unit in PE, or I've noticed you're kind of like not really wanting to go to soccer. Is something going on, right? This is a place for curiosity and for non-judgmental questions. I actually know some PE teachers that as girls get older, they have them when they do their jumping jacks, they have them face the outside of the circle. Mm. So they can't see each other doing jumping jacks because girls feel so self-conscious about their breasts bouncing Mm. and other people being able to see them. Mm. So as we often say about kids this age, we don't always know what's going on for them and what is causing them to make certain choices. And it's really good to get curious Mm. about it. Can we talk about sports bras a little bit more? Yeah. So that was the second part of the sports bra. So Cara has a really interesting perspective and theory, which you should talk about. Again, anyone who has any science on this, bring it because I'm I'm starving for it. But I am a deep believer at this point that by wearing sports bras for long stretches of time, while the breasts are developing. So not for an hour long game, but wearing sports bras from morning until night every single day, which many, many, mm-hmm. many growing people yeah. do. You're binding, very tightly binding tissue that is actively growing. And tissue that grows against pressure is tissue that grows differently mm-hmm. than tissue that grows freely. And so I have become a firm believer that at some point in the future, there will be data. I don't have it. I would love it if a listener does. There will be data to support the theory that either the increased incidence of dense breast tissue in women or the increased incidence of cystic breast disease in women is related somehow to this chronic binding of especially of developing breasts. So If the average age that girls enter puberty in this country is between eight and nine, 50% of all girls by the time they turn nine have some beginning breast development, certainly some estrogen surging happening in their bodies. If those kids are putting on a tight, constrictive sports bra, 
in order to minimize the irritation of their shirt or to hold themselves tightly so that they feel more comfortable and the errant elbow doesn't bang into them and hurt them. The worry that I have is that in 10, 20, 30 years, that growing tissue will have had to grow against resistance for so many years that it won't have grown in the healthiest way. Now, I'm going to stop and say we have received questions from parents of kids who choose to bind. Mm. So these are kids who, for any number of reasons, it's not that they're looking for a bra, they're looking for a constrictive garment that will actually actively bind their breasts. And the question we've received is, is that dangerous? Mm -hmm. If the dense breast tissue or the cystic breast disease theories pan out, which again, they're theories, then is it dangerous for a kid who's trying to figure out their gender expression? You know, are they doing something dangerous by binding? And to that, I mean, I'd love to hear your answer. My answer, Vanessa, is I think that that has to be weighed against the social emotional implications of not binding. I don't think you can just give an answer in a vacuum about binding because there are really deep social and emotional desires for a kid who's choosing to bind. Yeah. I mean, I would say two things. One is if you have a child that you know is binding, make sure they're doing it in the safest possible way, right? So that's a moment to actually participate in some of the application of that decision-making and do some research and find out for what's safest in the moment. But there's no research. There's no data. But I mean, the chafing on the skin, the way they wrap the binding, what they use to bind. I mean, there are some practical considerations in the short term, not in the long-term data. But the second point gets to your comment earlier, which is if it makes your kid feel safer and truer to who they are and their conception of who they are and their gender identity and their gender expression to bind in the short term, that is more important than the down the road impacts until we have more information. Ideally, if we don't know the impact of binding breasts year over year over year over year, ideally there are other solutions for that person because Again, there is hopefully going to be evolving data. On the other hand, in the short term, if that makes a kid feel more like themselves, that's really important. Yes, yes, and let's do the improv thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I will push back on the more important because then I wonder what happens when we extend that argument to other things Mm. that people may choose to do with their body in service to a social or emotional need that is downright unsafe. Mm. Um, And now I'm not talking about gender expression. There are a whole host of things that people choose to do to their bodies. I'm thinking about like piercings in certain parts of the body where there's a tremendous risk for infection, like piercing Mm -hmm. at the back of the tongue really increases your risk of infection up in the nasopharynx Mm. and even in the brain, right? There are areas that are safer to pierce, areas that aren't. This is nothing to do with gender. This is just something that some people may want to do to their body in honor of expressing themselves the way they want to. And I don't think we should say it's more important Mm. than the safety. I think the best advice is it's a consideration. Right. So the emotional drivers of a choice and the sort of medical or safety drivers of a choice both have to be considered. 
right. And <laughs> how many times can we do that? If we weren't sitting next to each other, do you think we'd be saying, but, um, I don't know. You're always like, yes. And let's do the improv thing. And I'm like, oh my God, here's the improv thing. It's not too much improv in my life. The data about kids who are gender questioning or consider themselves to be transgender, who aren't given the opportunity to express that gender. There are real mental health issues with kids not having the opportunity to express that. I would argue that there are fewer mental health issues for the kid who can't pierce the back of their tongue, right? I don't think it's like for like in terms of the- That is fair. Mental health impacts. But I do think it's fair to know what are the long-term effects? And unfortunately, we don't actually know the answer to that question. Do you think this listener is going to be satisfied with our answer to should a child wear a bra when we got to back of the tongue piercing? (laughs) <laughs> Let's go back to the question and we'll wrap actually answering the question. And Ooh, I, feel like so it, novel. I feel like it takes us every now what the whole time. When my oldest child was young, he would only wear sweatpants. He must have had, I mean, I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I now realize he must have had some sensory stuff and other pants were not comfortable to him. And he had to wear elastic waist pants. And it was frustrating and he wouldn't wear the cute things that I bought him. And then as he got a little bit older, you know, I'm like, what what are you wearing? And I had to find him quote unquote dress pants that were actually sweatpants. And fast forward to my sister's wedding and all of the kids and adults in the wedding wore formal attire, including tuxedos for my two older boys. And I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? And he won't wear tuxedo pants and he's probably going to wear sweatpants. And like, oh my, and it felt so big to me. And then at a certain point I was like, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. So maybe he's wearing sweatpants and a tuxedo jacket. And yes, maybe he'll look a little funny in the pictures whenever, but like in the grand scheme of things, it's more important that my kid feels comfortable than he fits the standard of how he is supposed to look. And I sort of gave up and I let it go. And then lo and behold, we found a tuxedo that had really soft elastic waist pants and he wore it. And then my second kid decided he wouldn't wear the dress shoes that I bought him. And he wore his gray New Balance Velcro sneakers with his tuxedo. So that story is all in service to the main point, which is, It's very hard when our kids won't do or wear or say something that we want them to, that we expect them to, that we think fits better in the larger scheme of our culture and our society. But we have to pick our battles. And if it's not making them unsafe, if it's in fact making them more uncomfortable, then we have to let it go. And I'm not saying that's easy. I struggle with it all the time. But it's an ongoing, important goal for us to strive towards. So we both started with stories about our daughters and other people being able to kind of see everything Mm -hmm. that was going on, which felt like a safety issue to us. I think your advice is excellent. So the first thing is assess the safety issue. Is it really a safety issue for your kid if someone sees what's happening to the development of their body? In a more evolved world, the answer will be no. But the question is, 
in the world in which you're living, in your community, in your school, in your environment, does that feel unsafe? And if it feels unsafe, how can you communicate this with your kid? And what is the solution? Because there are solutions other than bras. So yes, we have to figure out, right? If there's a safety issue, assess that. And there are alternate solutions. And some of the alternate solutions might be a tank top or camisole under the shirt or finding a different material or color that feels like it shows less, right? So that's in the case where there's a lot of pushback and to the adult, it feels like a safety issue. But to your bigger point, let's also constantly reassess what's at stake. Right. And I couldn't agree more. If you are able to step back and realize actually nothing's at stake, then just let it go. So we love this question because it lets us get to the core of all of this aspect of raising kids, which is how much of it is our stuff and how much of it is their stuff and how much of it is really about safety and how much of it is just about cultural associations and socialization. And unpacking that can be hard and it's not to be done with the kid in question. Unpacking that should be done with a trusted friend, a partner, someone who you can really have an open and honest conversation with. And does it have to do with your own physical development and your own history? And so the answer is not simple because unpacking it and thinking about it is actually a process in itself. And then the answer to your kid may change also. And your kid's own reaction to what they wear or don't wear will evolve. And we have to leave room for that as well. So thank you for this wonderful question. We hope we actually answered it. I like that we landed on unpacking a bra. Yes, because that's how you spend your life. (laughs) Hi, Vanessa. Bye, Cara, except we're in the same room. (laughs) We absolutely love hearing your feedback and getting all your questions. So anytime you want to be in touch, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for great puberty products like the Oom shorts or the Oom socks or the Oom bra, you get the theme there, go to myoomla.com. If you want more content, you love what we do on the Puberty Podcast and you want to have us come speak or learn more about our book or subscribe to our amazing newsletter, The Awkward Roller Coaster, go to orderofmagnitude.co. Remember, it's .co because we don't have enough money to buy .com. Yet. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.